It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the Perpignan game and post the Cheetahs game. And we're recording this directly after the Cheetahs game. I'm up in William's house with William Davis. Good evening, Alan. And Daniel Deegan. Good evening, Alan. And my name's Alan Deegan. What a win for Connacht, William. Great, great win. Not necessarily a great performance, though. I, that means nothing, Alan. They just needed the points. They had to win that game. They've come out of South Africa with nine points out of a possible ten. They've gone to six and four. Uh, they've got their season now. With the, you can see a pathway ahead. Uh, it's only the second side that's ever gone down there on these mini tours and 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 won the two games. Munster did it last year. Ulster this year managed to win in a draw. It's a difficult thing to do. Uh, it was a scrappy performance particularly in the second half um, I don't think I don't think they particularly want to be playing in 31 degrees either mm-hmm. it was a windy day but Connacht were just good enough they have a belief in their system their defensive system was good enough they they caused the cheetahs to make errors at crucial times uh, they scored Connacht scored two fine tries in the first half which was was by far the better half of rugby but they'll be getting on their bus now tomorrow morning to go to Johannesburg Airport and they will be absolutely delighted. And with the Ulster result this afternoon, Cardiff losing 16-12 in Belfast, that's that's a very important one as well because it's all about points now and who's getting and who's who's moving up the table or staying still. Um, really excellent win the display yeah look they you could pick holes in it and they will pick holes in it themselves but job done it certainly was danny their fitness levels seem to manage to survive yeah fitness level like you know when you're you're going up and in, into altitude and uh you also have that heat it, it's very hard to even get used to that like do probably doing it in and out in a day is probably the best but so it certainly worked out that that idea of going in uh, in one day it certainly did um and as you say we got a, a a lot of good performances we 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 never i don't think we saw who officially won the the man of the match but william you were very impressed with it, our captain mr butler yeah i thought he's a good game and i thought he communicated uh, very well with the referee a couple of times made his decisions took his took his points in the second second half two penalties uh david horwitz came on and kicked them they were simple enough kicks but generally uh around the park i thought his performance was was very good uh shout out for, for gavin thornbury still coming back from from a knock uh robin copeland did some good things and some bad things gave away a couple of a couple of penalties kind of kept the penalty count down to six penalties i think in total not a lot of penalties in the game Everybody in the pack, I think, performed pretty well. And the backs, when they got their opportunity, Matt Healy looked very dangerous when he had the ball in hand. Uh, Caelan Blade. Jack Carty had a decent enough game. A couple of kicks just went too far. It's so easy to kick the ball a distance there. At one stage, he cleared the ball from just in front of his own line up to the opposition 22 without a problem. The ball flies at altitude. It's a different game. So you can overkick over the dead ball line. But in general, it was just a hard, grinding, workmanlike display. It's the sort of win you want to see uh, when you can win both of these games and not have reached your peak performance. That's that's what you're looking for. You don't want to have to to play sort of champagne rugby every week. You want to to just find a way of winning. And after ten games, they would take six and four if 
you were being a bit greedy, you would have said probably they should have beaten Glasgow in the first game of the season. They'd be seven and three. So that that's how these teams operate. They have a break coming now. They're into Europe for two games. And then we know what's coming over the Christmas New Year period. You have three interprovincials. Way to Leinster, home to Ulster, home to Munster. Key games again. Those are no, those are a different type of game, uh, and that they're a different type of challenge. But when you win games like this, it gets you set up for that challenge. It certainly does. And on the South African side of things, Danny, I was very impressed with the with the um, with the scrum half. Sean Venter, I thought he he did a lot of good stuff. But what who is um, who stood out for you? Uh, I would would have thought the the blindside junior. Uh, Pogamella, he he just did a lot of ground groundwork. You know, he, he was just everywhere for them. And then in the first half to uh, sidestep Jack and just leave him, it's just you know, it's always good to see a, a back row doing that. You know, I always love to see see backs being left in the dust by forwards. Yeah, I think Jack might take a bit of abuse for that one. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, the the other like the the the, the hooker Dweeba was 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 very impressive and scored his try very well. And and then they, they were missing uh, Max Oweni, their most dangerous player. But Yeager seemed to do an awful lot of damage to us as well. The fullback. They're a very decent side. They're they're getting better. You feel in the last season they lost so many players that they were almost starting again from scratch. It's almost a naive brand of rugby they play. They just, uh, what, what can you, how would you describe it? I said when we were watching it here, I said it's like watching seven-a-side rugby being played by 15. Yeah, and I think part of the naivety is that they are the youngest team, starting team, that we have played in two years. I don't do the ages. I haven't gone back any further on the ages, but they were the average age of that team was 24. 24, most teams are like, 24.8, 24.9, 25.26. 25.6. They were 24. The oldest guy in the pack was 25. And that's maybe why we saw a lot of ball being thrown around. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's look, it's, it's the super rugby mentality. So they do give you opportunities and they, do, and they make mistakes, but they are very, very dangerous. Connacht occasionally kicked poorly. Um, get the ball off the park and go for, go for reset plays. Uh, that's not their forte. There was a couple of times, you know, I was, we were all shouting at the TV, get it off the park, stop the game, don't allow them to run back at you. That's what they want to do. Some sides don't want to do that. You can kick the ball to them and they'll just kick it back to you. Yeah. But the cheat is, you kick it to them, they start running, they start passing. And, yeah, and two of their tries came from mistakes that Connick made in the Cheetahs 22. They turned the ball over, ran down the length of the field, scored tries, and very good tries at that. Yep, and that's that's where they are dangerous. Where you don't see them this year, they're 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 not going to finish third in in this no. conference this year, and you cannot see them bringing that brand of rugby up here. I think we're playing them in March. It's not going to happen. They're they're going to have to figure out a way of playing in the northern hemisphere, as are the Kings, yeah. because they can't just keep shipping defeats. Uh, but anybody who goes to Bloemfontein, yes, it'll be a tough night. It will, and I'm I'm just wondering, like, what what with them being that young, I'm assuming that if they can hold on to their players, like, you know, I think there was 25 players the Kings lost over the, the summer and, and the, the Chiefs lost seven or eight of their better players and I think it was 12 or 14 players missing. If they can hold on to a team, the potential is there for them to be very, very good. What do you reckon, Dan? 
yeah, for both the South African teams, they they definitely need to learn how to play up here. Like, um, they don't like this set plays, scrums, lineouts. They love to just throw it around. It's the as you said, super rugby mentality. But you saw it in the second half of last week's game. It started breaking down. The Kings kind of started to wake up a bit. You know, they don't like to be kind of held uh, in scrums, all that kind of stuff. You know, they 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 like to just throw the ball around. And I guess it suits them because they've got this hard, hard, hard ground and it's warm and the ball is dry. So they can do this. But when they cope up to the Northern Hemisphere, they just can't because it's, it's wetter. You know, they're just not used to it. But they, they definitely need to figure something out very quickly. Yeah, so that result leaves Connacht in third place, which is um, highly commendable considering the start of the season. If you remember at the start of the season, we were so worried about the difficult start that Connacht uh, um, were going to have. And they're currently in third place on 29 points, a point ahead of Ospreys and importantly, six points ahead of Cardiff. Yeah, that's the gap you're starting to look at. And you're looking at the two Cardiff games now away first on the 26th of January, which I know is a long, long way ahead. But that is going to be an eight-point game, Cardiff coming here. And as long as they don't pick up any surprise wins along the way um, in derby games and stuff, uh, they, they got Cardiff got thrashed last week and they also lost again, as I've said today, to Ulster. So those are opportunities passing. There's only 11 games left now. You've played 10. You're nearly halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, when, the, when the halftime whistle goes in the Leinster match, Connacht will be halfway through the season uh, in Pro 14, even though it'll go on till the end of April. It does get very patchy after Christmas, is stopping and starting. So I think where they are now, if, if you'd said to Andy Friend and the coaching team and the players, you'd be six and four, would you take that? They'd probably say, no, we want to be 10 and zero. But I think six and four is a good position. And I think they've been down there for two weeks. They've been working as a team unit probably working on some work-throughs for the inter-provincial games, looking at different aspects of what they do. I think, yeah, so far so good. And not too many injuries around. The one that worries me probably the most is Kieran Marmion. I think he's a big loss in terms of experience for the inter-pros. But you, you're going to get players injured and knocked. It's just the way it is, and it's how you react to it. It certainly is, and of course that loss for the Cheetahs keeps them. You know, they they look as though they were starting to come back into the the frame, but they're they're way down on seventeen points, and they're going to struggle to make any impact so far this year. So now is a good point in time to um, listen to some post match audio. Uh, very 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 pleased with the boys. I thought um, our game last week. Uh, there were moments there that uh, probably weren't as clinical as we wanted, but uh, to get four, four tries and a bonus point, the boys are outstanding the way they found a way, and then to back it up six days later, uh, Cheetahs are a good side. They are a good side, and I think you can be lulled into a, a false sense to think they're not a good football team, but you've got to come here and you've got to play a certain way. So for us to, to get two wins, yeah, I am delighted. I guess we knew it was going to be a little bit of a step up. Um, Cheetahs have got a really good functioning set piece. Um, they've got some really big players in their forward pack, particularly that back row. Um, we kind of knew we had to do all we did against the Kings, which is better again um, on the back of you know, a six-day turnaround. So you know, the way the tight five and the forward pack as a whole really turned up at scrum time, line out set piece, I think that was the, that was the real difference there. Um, one bigger role would be altitude. 
oh man, we really didn't try to focus on it. We came in just yesterday, so the thought process was just kind of get in, get the job done, and try and get out as soon as we could. Um, so, you know, all week we haven't tried to think too much about the heat or the altitude, um, and, uh, you know, got the result in the end of the day. Yeah, I've only been here this year, so all I know is this year. Um, I think last year Cheetahs won, didn't they? Yeah, we lost last time against the Cheetahs. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, we're pretty much in the exact situation uh, this time last year when we played the Cheetahs um, here. Uh, you know, that last five minutes, they ended up stealing it from us right at the death. And uh, yeah, so this time, and that was probably the, the, the most pleasing thing, is we found ourselves in that same position. But um, we're able to stay composed and, um, and you know finish the game out really well. It's hard for both teams. It was a little bit um, humid out there and made kind of moving the ball around pretty tough. And the Cheetahs, I think, you know, they're one of the best teams in moving the ball around. And um, going into the game, we knew that you know if we did defend well, that they just cut you up. They've got so many damaging players out wide. Um, we were fortunate that we made use of some good opportunities, but so did they. And at the end of the day, it came down to less than a try, and we were sitting on there on our 22. It was, you know, it was a point for play. Uh, we actually said leading into this game because it's a big focus of ours. If you look at the game of rugby, there's more rucks than, than nearly anything else. So you've got to be accurate there, and we've, we've had a big focus on it. We felt our training session on Wednesday that we we completed down in Cape Town was probably the best we've been with what we call our, our groundwork and our, our shield over the top of the ball. So. Uh, and that was a big factor, it's always a factor because you know now teams, especially the cheaters, if you give them a sniff to get in over the ball, um, they're going to steal that from you. So we were pleased with our groundwork going in and I thought today, in fact I can't remember a penalty against us for that today. So um, you know, when we've got possession, if we can maintain possession, it makes it harder for opposition. You come into a competition, you've got to be thinking you're going to, you want to make the quarterfinals. So we knew our big, our big thing before we came away on this trip we said if we lose both games, we're dead. If we win game, one game, we're hanging on. If we win two, we're definitely in the hunt. So we can sit here now and thankfully we've won two. Um, but it doesn't mean we're there. It just means we're still in the hunt. So what's really important now, we go back. Uh, tomorrow we fly back to Galway. Uh, we've got two European games and then we've got three Interpros coming up. So it's going to be a really busy five weeks ahead of us. We're only two games into a ten-week ten block. So we've got another eight weeks ahead of us. Um, so it's pretty full on. You've got to be resilient, and uh, these fellows are working really hard to be resilient, and our staff are doing a great job to keep them resilient. So, yeah, it's a big eight weeks ahead of us. Uh, just lastly, you guys brought a couple of less experienced guys onto our high important was too for their learning curve. Yeah, really important. You know, you 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 forever got to be growing. Um, I'll call it the I call it the vegetables underneath. It's not a derogatory term at all, but you, you've got to be having the vegetables coming through underneath it because that, they, that's, that's where you're going to get your, your return from. And, and uh, I thought on this tour, a few boys put their hand up, which was good, um, which again makes players back at home even more hungry. So, and so I just keep going. And ideally, you just get that, that internal challenge where you want to continue to... Everyone wants to be in that starting 15 jersey. Only 15 men can, which means there's a... You know, a shed load of blokes who aren't in that, in that, in that jersey, probably 30, just under 30, so with 28 players that aren't. So uh, if we get that internal fight and players that, that you know, got their chance on this tour and did well, it just makes that next bloke at home a bit more hungry. I'm so tired of creating, recreating opportunities and then sitting at the end of the day without anything. So this is, this is frustrating. We're trying, we're tapping into the resource to get it.
better than working hard, really hard. I think if you speak to Rainer Smith, who came into from into our environment from the Sharks, who will know that we, we really work hard. And so that's the frustrating point. But if you look from where we started um, against Munster and against Ospreys, from where we are now, we are, we are a completely different unit. Although this break is, is needy, because it's the South African rugby players' mindset is different. Um, we're not used to working over Christmas holidays. So even if the radio has, a, has specials on Black Friday, we're talking about Christmas bells and jingles that goes, in our mind it says it's a holiday. And that is a tough one to combat. It's a new generation that we have to greet that, that's still focused on what's happening on the field to the end. And that's not, that is just a fact of the matter. I've worked seven years, eight years in, in Europe, and their mindset is this period of the year is, is, is different. I mean, Connacht's going to play five games now until the next round of uh, Pro Fortnite. So, yeah. And how much do you feel Connacht has improved since this time last year? Or, in fact, not just time last year, since March. Uh, I think when we played them last, it was well the game the game that side it was a different game because it was raining and it was lots of errors and scrums and so they are they're not a bad team but we could have run tonight. Now here's William giving us a rundown of uh, all the results and what it means across the Pro 14. Seven games down for a decision in last week's Pro 14. On Friday night, two matches. Munster 44, Edinburgh 14. Ospreys 43, Zebra 0. Five matches on Saturday. Ulster 16, Cardiff 12. Cheetah 17, Connacht 21. The Dragons 10, Leinster 59. The Kings 19, Benetton 22. Glasgow 29, Scarlets 20. And if we have a look now at the conference tables, we'll start with conference A. Glasgow leading with an all teams having played ten games. Glasgow are one eight, lost two on forty-one points. Munster in second place, seven and three, thirty-four points. Connacht in third place, six and four with thirty points. The Ospreys are in fourth with a similar six and four record, twenty-eight points. Cardiff Blues in fifth. With a four and six record, twenty-three points. The Cheetahs are in sixth with a record of two wins, one draw, seven losses, seventeen points. And Zebra bringing up the rear in seventh with three wins and seven losses with fifteen points. In Conference B, Leinster lead with nine wins and one loss on forty-four points. The Scarlets are six and four with twenty-nine. Ulster six wins, one draw, three losses, 29 points. Benetton are four wins, six losses, 23 points. Edinburgh are four wins, six losses, 22 points. The Dragons in sixth place are three wins, seven losses on 13. And the Southern Kings in seventh with one win, nine losses and 12 points. Taking a quick look at our European opponents, and of course European rugby very much back on the agenda this weekend. In the Premiership, Bath 7, Sale 7. That now leaves Sale in 11th place, one off the bottom. They've got 16 points. Newcastle are on the bottom with 15, but two points covers the teams holding 6th to 12th place. And it's going to be quite a scramble at the bottom of that to see who gets relegated. 
in France, our two European opponents were playing each other. And it finished Perpignan 11, Bordeaux 22. Perpignan now played 11, lost 11, and forlorn and adrift at the bottom of the table. It's hard to see anything other than relegation for them. Bordeaux, with a record of six wins, one draw and four losses, are in sixth place. We would like to thank the official Connacht Rugby Supporters Club for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out the Supporters Club website at connachtlan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com for all your supporting needs. Now here's our chat with our colleague from South Africa, Morgan Peake, on um, his thoughts on what gone Connacht's tour down to South Africa. Well, I'm delighted once again to say that Morgan Peake is joining us from Bloemfontein. And uh, I've got to start by asking you, what's the, what's the view on, on, on Saturday's performance? And obviously Connacht winning their second match on the tour, winning 21-17 on uh, a very warm evening in Bloemfontein. Yeah, for an Irish, from an Irish point of view, I suppose it was an absolutely fantastic result. Coming to South Africa, doing something only two teams has been able to do in the past, and that is win back-to-back games on a trip to South Africa. So that's great for the competition, I believe, because, and I think the fans will also start buying into it, because at one stage, the fans weren't happy with the tours to South Africa, because they just felt that it's too much of a slip to fly all the way down to South Africa, play a game of rugby or two, and now you don't get the result. So I think it will change mindsets quite a lot. For Freeset fans, obviously, it wasn't such great news. And it's frustrating for the cheaters. Um, Branko Smith did allude to it after the game on Saturday, that it is just so frustrating for him. They try and do everything right and get everything in place. And it's these silly errors that lead to these marginal results. Um, I'm speaking under correction now, but within the last month and a half, they've lost three games within four points or less. And if I did a quick little calculation, had the Cheetahs beaten Connacht this weekend and had they beaten Munster and had they beaten Cardiff in Cardiff, the log would have looked totally different for them. They would have been up in the top three. But the as made, they did not win those games. They lost those games, but they're going to have to use this to build on an experience to take it into the rest of the competition, starting for the Cheetahs in January. They've, of course, got a month-long break now while you guys have got your Interpros and a couple of European games coming up. Yeah, we've, we've, Connacht have got some very serious uh, rugby to play, Morgan, in the next, uh, the next month here. The Interpro series around Christmas New Year is absolutely massive up here. Um, the way they set up the Cheetahs on Saturday with a, a pretty stacked bench, did the three injuries in the first half really knock that plan? that they were going to start bringing fresh legs on at about 50 minutes, but three of them were already on fairly early? I don't think there was quite the idea, because Nico Lee went off with that um, concussion test, and then Paul Bernard, Jansen van Rensburg comes onto the park and gets knocked out cold within a few, few minutes. So there was just bad luck for the cheaters, and I think that was forced him to change things, a little bit, but quite honestly, I do feel that 
the back line started working a little bit more better when Nico was off the field. He's a great player and he creates a lot, but I just felt that Connacht was shutting him down quite a bit. And when they made that change, I think they started to get more into the game plan, but the damage had already been done by Connacht those first, but it was 20 minutes scoring 15 unanswered points and starting like a real blitzkrieg. And I think that is actually what changed it. That caught the cheaters by surprise. I don't think they expected Connacht to come out all guns blazing. But then again, having said that, poor defence. You can't excuse that defence from that, uh, with Tom Farrell's try. But he just ran through the entire team from a set piece. Mm. And also, they were also very lucky. One can almost look at it. They, they were lucky that that um, try was scored with Gavin Thornbury's try was scored because one never knows what could have happened. An advantage was played, an armor stuck out, and we, before we know, a yellow card could have been issued if that trial wasn't scored. So maybe it was a good result that that trial was scored and it was only five points at the end of the day and not seven points and a yellow card. And they would have really piled the pressure on the cheaters. The thing that struck me, we were obviously watching it on television here and you're getting the, the two-dimensional view. Um, but the Connacht defensive line seemed to put a lot of pressure. A lot of the mistakes that the cheaters made, particularly in the passing uh, phases of the game, seemed on television, but it'd be better if you're watching it live in, in, you know, with it in front of you, was the Connacht defensive line was right in their face. And Absolutely. that put a lot of pressure on and And some bad decisions were made. Some really... There was times when players need to take the ball into contact and not keep it live. But there was almost a an, um, real impression that they were sort of just going to keep passing that ball no matter what. I couldn't agree more with you. And I do feel the one example with the cheaters, and I, I think the whole thing is the cheaters were very frenetic when they had the ball. They tried to rush things too much. And the one occasion they didn't do that was when William Smallsmith offloaded to Sean Fenton for his try. And there was experience that the guys have been speaking about that they need is just take that extra step or that extra split second, make sure that you've drawn your tackle and then offload and not trying to rush the things. I understand that, that the cheaters do want to play a fast game, but you can also play a fast game by just slowing things down a little bit. And I think that's a big thing that the cheaters, that has sunk the cheaters this season because those opportunities do get created. I, I didn't even count how many opportunities they created. I think it's more than 10 plus. The previous week, it was the same story. I think that they created 27 opportunities against Benetton last week, of which they only scored four times. So if they just relax a little bit when they when they create these opportunities, I think the clock or the scoreboard will start turning more towards the cheaters' favour. But um, that word experience has become a bit of a swear word for the cheaters. And it's something, it's been an excuse of the team for this entire first half of the season. And it was actually quite refreshing to hear Frank Smith say after the game that they're not going to be using experience as an excuse anymore. They've played 10 games. They've had a back line that's been consistent throughout the tournament. So almost every single guy in the back line, back line has played 10 or more pro 14 games. And it's the same with the pack. So those guys are experienced now. You can't call them inexperienced. And as you mentioned, the big thing is what are they going to do with that experience? They must use that experience to help create and help ease the pressure in future games and that's the way to approach it. Play a positive rugby, play with a positive mindset and the results will start coming your way. 
So if there's a little bit more pragmatism at times, they, they could start getting results. They're, they're going into now, uh, I suppose you'd call it your mid-season break. When do the Cheetahs mm. and the Kings actually come back to uh, playing rugby? The Cheetahs will be playing in that first weekend of January the 6th. They will be playing in Palmer against Benetton. I haven't, can't remember off the top of my head who the Kings are playing, but they'll play that weekend as well. So it is more or less a month break that they've got. But as far as I understand, the Cheetahs have organised a practice game. Uh, last year, they started on Boxing Day, if I'm not mistaken, or the day after Boxing Day, they reassembled for training to start preparing for their January games. So I I can't see it to be any different this year. So they will probably assemble on the 27th of December, um, train for a week or so, and then organise a, a friendly game. I'm not sure against who. It might either be the Griffins, it might be against the Greekers, or it might even be the Varsity Cup side, the Shimmers, Jim Blimpertan. So it's quite a clever point just to get those cobwebs out a little bit after two-week break, but they're not going to want to take on a very big team, you know, just to ensure that the guys don't get injured. And on an injury front, they're getting quite a lot of guys back now after this break, guys that were sidelined within one game of the season and that kind of thing. And one of the most notable is Dries Swanepoel, who got injured during his second game. He was one of the biggest signings that the Cheetahs made during the off-season, a very, very exciting centre and with a lot of power, a lot of punch. So it's going to be quite exciting to see him get back. Luanda Brain, a tight head prop. Um, you know, a tight head prop is a scarce commodity. So whenever you get a back, a tight head prop back, it's always good news. Okay, Saturday, we're back to European rugby, William. Perpignan are on their way up, and I believe they've bought a lot of tickets. Yeah, they seem to have bought a lot of the, the seated tickets. I'm, I'm hearing. Um, I don't think it'll be a very uh, successful trip for them. Connacht will be looking to win that game comfortably and pick up five points in the process. They actually have to get 10 points out of these back-to-back games. We're at that time of the season now where it's home and away the same team. And Perpignan's season has been a disaster, really. Uh, They haven't won a game in Pro 14. Um, They did manage to get a draw away to Bordeaux in Europe but I don't think this competition has much meaning for them Sale are in a good place they're doing a back-to-back against Bordeaux it's going to be interesting to see how Bordeaux face up they've just got rid of their coach um, so does you know does the, whoever's in charge does he put out strong team does he put out the younger guys and see what they're up to Sale have a lot of rugby to play around Christmas so it, it's the same for all sides but really the job on Saturday for Connacht is simply to, to win, win comfortably. And I think we will see a few of the younger players uh, coming to the fore. And of course, we have players coming back from injury. You know, you've the likes of Dave Heffernan, Owen Masterson. Uh, so you, you can sort of see that they're going to be uh, an, coming into the squad, you would think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What What's your thoughts on it? What do you think Connacht should be doing with regard to Europe now that they're in a playoff position in the Pro 14 well I, I would agree with William we need to well maybe not say we don't need the 10 points maybe we need the 10 points to keep going in Europe but I think just taking the wins winning's a habit we've got three wins now um, and we just need to keep that going you know get you get two wins there that's five and you're going into, into pros in a very healthy 
nice position. You know, guys get used to winning. You know, they 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 it, it's weird. You know, you you're just in a team. Things just start coming off of you, and especially from these two results. You know, as you said, William, it wasn't anything fancy, but they did the job. You know, and that that again is huge because guys then pull on that again when things get tough, when you're down in Munster or Leinster or at home to the to, to Ulster when things are going to be tough. The guys will remember, no, we 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 can do this. We did this down in South Africa. You know, we we can we can do it up here as well. Yeah, we've become somewhat more pragmatic while still liking to throw the ball around every now and again as we probably did a bit too much today at times but there certainly seems to be more pragmatism about how Connacht are going about playing the game these days Yeah I think players have a better understanding of their roles and I think that's down to uh, Andy Friend took a time to have a look at how Connacht played and he's made little tweaks here and there that he wants to see and I'm sure there's, there's things that are still not right um, at times when the ball has been moved along, it can looks, still looks very stationary to me. You're looking for passes in front of people running on. M- make your yardage that way. But overall, I think the defensive unit is working very well. And I think as lo- they will treat Perpignan with the correct amount of respect, but they have to look at where they are and they've got to say, we're going to win this game and we're going to win it comfortably, provided we keep doing the right things. And it's an opportunity just to try some of the the younger younger players who have already played a bit in, in in the European context. And I think one of the feelings that you do have now is that players can be moved in and out a bit more seamlessly than we've seen in the past. Certainly last season, a lot of players played too much and players, when they were brought in, seemed to be unsure of their roles at times. That doesn't seem to be there now. There seems to be better communication on the pitch some of which we heard on the referee's mic today, <laughs> which we won't be repeating, but it was it was quite blunt. Some of the advice and the direction was quite blunt. And very colourful. Uh, yeah, that would be one word for it. Um, but that's what, that's what you need. They, it has a good feel, and I really think they will take a lot out of this. And it'll be interesting to see at the end of the season if anybody else who's done the tour to South Africa has won their two games. Because I still think the bigger challenge is definitely playing at altitude. The Kings are a work in progress. And I think if you anybody heard Morgan's interview uh, we played out a couple of weeks ago, he explains what they're about and that's why they're there. It's a slightly different situation in Bloemfontein. Crowd again today, hard to say, it's a massive ground. It's a huge, big, empty bowl. I'm slightly puzzled why they seem to allow you to sit anywhere. I would have thought they would just corral everybody in the one place. A fair chunk of that crowd were dressed in green once again as the clan made themselves very well um, represented and showed up very well and, and um, had good voice as always. Great to hear the, the Fields of Athenry being sung out in the middle of Bloemfontein in the middle of South Africa I have to say very enjoyable. Okay um, right William you're going to preview the European fixture for us. Challenge Cup back in action on Friday evening in Pool 4 with Pau playing Worcester Warriors with a 7 o'clock kickoff and Grenoble playing Agen in Pool 4 with a kickoff at quarter to eight. On Saturday in Pool 1, Timish for a Saracens will have the pleasure of bringing Clermont Auvergne to Romania with a 12.30 start. And in the same pool, Northampton will play the Dragons at 3pm. Ospreys will take on Stade Francais in Pool 2 also at 3pm.
Pool 3 will see Connacht taking on Perpignan with a 3pm kickoff. And at 6pm, Bordeaux will take on Sale. Pool 4 has NSI STM Krasnoyarsk taking on Zebre with a 12 o'clock kickoff. And Bristol will take on La Rochelle in that pool with a kickoff of 3pm. And finally, in Pool 5, Benetton Treviso will take on Harlequins with a kickoff time of 2pm. The Irish teams in action in the Champions Cup are spread over the three days of the weekend. On Friday night, Ulster are away to the Scarlets. On Saturday, Leinster are away to Bath. And on Sunday, Munster host Cast. And this section of the podcast being recorded a few days after the, the main section. And that's because we now have the audio from the midweek press conference where William talked to Andy Friend and Finley Bealham. Andy, you're back to a big temperature change and uh, probably just a different feeling, but there must be a real sense that that trip couldn't have gone any better. Uh, it was really pleasing. Good to be home, I will say, um, but a really pleasing trip. Uh, most importantly because we got the, the two wins and nine points, but um, just a lot of growth amongst us as a group of players and coaches and staff and uh, as a whole team. And um, yeah, I feel like we're, we're where we want to be at this, point, this stage of the season. I suppose it was a minimum of one win, but two wins has sort of set you into a, a better place now six and four looks better than five and five or, or dare I say four and six which would probably have been season maybe not ending but it would have left a very difficult scenario yeah we we talked about that too is uh before we left we you know we said if we we come back with nothing we're dead um if we come back with one win we're hanging on if we come back with two wins we put ourselves right amongst it so so where we are is we're right amongst it. Um, doesn't mean we've done anything yet, but it just means we're in a good position as we sort of, we're nearly at the halfway stage of the season, but as we enter that nearing halfway stage of the season, you know, we're, we're amongst it and we know that uh, we've still got growth in the team, but it's been a good two weeks to, to uh, cement that position for us. How good an opportunity was that and how did you make use of the, having all that time together? Well, I, yes, it was, it was a massive opportunity. We saw that as a real opportunity. But probably the thing I didn't realise, it was only after both the games, I, I talked to the uh, the Kings skipper at the end of the game, skipper at the end of the game, and I said to him, um, you know, what's your, who have you got next week? And he said, i got no idea. I said, what do you mean? He said, we've just spent the whole three weeks focusing on you, Blakes. So I knew that they'd put a lot of energy into that. And then after the Cheetahs game, I spoke to one of their coaches and I said, what, what lies ahead for you for the next couple of weeks and they said no we got a month off we put everything into that game so it actually made me think about those two wins you know, I was very uh, massively pleased with it but even more so having, having known the background of those two teams they put a lot of energy into that so for us to come away with those wins is, is fantastic um, how, do we get it, how do we do it there's a lot of work went on from a lot of players um, for a lot of staff, some were there with us, some weren't. You know, Laura, our dietitian, she put an incredibly detailed dietitian plan for us uh, to head over there and to make sure we were better hydrated, which we were. One of the things I said to the players at the end of the Cheetahs game, we outdrank the Cheetahs. We drank more water than they did. That's their home, their altitude, their heat. They had players cramping up more than we did. So, you know, our preparation, SNC, we had two weeks off before we went. But every player had a GPS 
that had to take away on holiday with them. They had a plan of what they needed to do. They were diligent enough to do all of that. So you can look that we just rocked up and we played two games of footy and we won. It was good. But there was a hell of a lot of work went in behind it and so great to get the results. There's a real clarity, I thought, watching both games. They weren't perfect by any means, but players seemed to have a clarity of what they were doing, particularly in defence. And it really seemed to knock the cheetahs off their stride. They, they, they were panic passing a lot of the time because there was somebody from Connacht right on top of them. Yeah, that was, a, again, a, some comments that were coming after the game. Yeah, we, we sort of had a, a theme from the uh, Bloemfontein media saying, um, you know, cheetahs were bad. Well, cheetahs weren't bad. Um, there was just Connacht green jerseys in their face the whole time, which... Which you know, I often say sometimes if your if your if your line has has got integrity, and you you move as one, you don't have to make tackles because they'll make errors because they can't find a way through it and they try and force things. So, you know, listen, I think there was clarity. I think again, you know, as as we continue to build uh, our cultural piece here and and having the players empowerment, which um, can be a frightening word for some people, but for me it's that's the way it should be. But you know, we had our our leaders, our game leaders. Um, for the first time this year, they were coming up with the themes of the weeks so they owned it. Uh, that provided a bit more clarity. So their first theme was about ownership. They wanted to they wanted to have ownership of their own performance and of their preparation, which they did. Um, the second theme was around work rate. They wanted to work harder than the cheaters, so they put it out there. So they did. Um, and those little things again just cement uh, the the buy-in from the players, um, and that's what they produced there on the football field. Now, next, we've gone back into Europe, back-to-back games, home here. It's, it's a quick enough turnaround, but uh, Perpignan are struggling, so kind of need to get at it on Saturday and, and, and get results. Yeah, they do, and you know, you, often you look at a team that's struggling and you think, um, oh, well, they're struggling side, but when you're that team, you're just looking for that next win, and for every game that you have that you don't have that win, it makes it more important to win the next one. So we know that coming over here is a French side that uh, are, look, are searching for that win and we don't want to be the team that gives it to them. So for us, it's about how we integrate the touring team that went away and how we integrate with the players that stayed back here, of which we had some very good footballers stay back here too, um, and how we integrate that side and put out a, a quality performing side on, on Saturday and, and hopefully get another win for us. Would that suggest that there might be some changes and some of the players that stayed here will be will be coming back in? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and it was was never part of the plan before we left, but we knew that we had, you know, it's tough to leave some players out. Uh, you can only take 25 away, but we knew that some of the players we were leaving out, either coming back from injury or just not, not showing us enough beforehand, we've got to keep them um, engaged and, and give them their opportunity. So this is a great opportunity to do that for them. Plus some... Some of the returning players, uh, yeah, they'll get another opportunity to, to keep that momentum going. Might we see Owen Masterson, Dave Heffernan too, that stand out with injuries possibly? Yeah, they're two players that we're certainly keen to give some game time to. You know, we've got uh, we've got Bundy back here at the moment, we've got Finlay back here at the moment, Quinn Roos back here, Owen Griffin's back here. Yeah, we've got some good fo- really good footballers who um, we didn't take away for various reasons, but uh, it's really important that we continue to engage those guys and give them their opportunity. Is it fair to say that Europe isn't quite as important as the Pro 14 is this year in, in terms of what you're trying to achieve? Oh, listen, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um, I think what's important 
is uh, is that every performance that we put out there, we're really proud of it and we're getting better. And I think we've done that on the whole. We, you know, you can see our games building. We haven't clicked yet, um, but we're seeing better minutes and better better passages of play. So for me, it is Europe, um, but it's really important that we build on you know that cheetah's performance, and and we hope that uh, you know coming at the end of the game on Saturday night that we can sit there and say, well, there's another good win, and this bit was also really good, and geez, we got stronger in that area there too. Um, what's the more important comp? I, I don't know. I want to win them both, mate. And I suppose winning's a good habit anyway. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about that at the front end of the season too. Winning can become a habit, as can losing. You know, we're three on the trot now. Um, you know, we've had a break there, but we, we beat the Dragons in those two games there. We get another good win here, that's four. And then, then you start to think, dang, this is it's pretty good, this winning. It's what we what we want to do. Yeah, it is. Um, but to have that feeling of we can win and it doesn't matter who we're playing or where we're playing, you know, we, we, as long as we perform and we do what we, we're meant to do and we own our performance, we can win. And these back-to-back games, it's, it's often, it's a, it's a central part of Europe and it's after this that you can sort of, you really know where you stand and where you're going to go in the competition. So it, to use the word clarity again, you, you'll know when you've played both matches against Perpignan. Yeah, we will. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a good spot to be too. We'll know... Um, whether that's still alive for us uh, and we want to keep chasing that that dream or whether that's you know it's dead now and we'll put our energy back into into the other competition so it's a really important two weeks for us it's a really important week for certain individuals too um, who probably haven't had the opportunity they felt that they've deserved um, now's their chance show us what you got and I feel like we are building depth and it's a, it's another great opportunity to, to see that depth uh, on show over the next two weeks. And looking a little bit further ahead, the three interprovincials, that's going to grab the fans of the big crowd coming here on Saturday. But the interpro matches at Christmas are very special. Uh, you really get this place rocking. And I suppose you've given a little eye to them, or are they still a bit too far away to get in much attention? No. Uh, yeah, you know they're coming. What we've tried to, what we've tried to, to, to quell this, this year has been the, the interpro phenomenon, which I'll call it. I've called it that before, but... Um, every game we play needs to be treated like an interpro. Uh, so we know we've got some big games coming up. Leinster away is a massive game, but um, I don't want us to prepare better for Leinster away than we will prepare for Perpignan at home or Perpignan away. Um, the same way that we would prepare for Leinster away, we're going to do the same this week for Perpignan. And once we become that team, we can start to become a, a great team into a phenomenal team. Certainly, you, know, you didn't get the opportunity to go to South Africa because you were tied up with uh, the Ireland organisation so uh, what was the buzz like from the Ireland oh look it was an incredible four weeks um, you know for the team four great results um, personally for me it was it was a long time between drinks since I've been up there it was about 18 months so look I was edging to get up there I was so excited um, I had a great time up there learning with all the, the great coaches and great players up there and just you know fine-tuning some small things in my game and look I've, I've really benefited from my time up there and can you see you, you can find a way to bring that into what you're doing here does that happen seamlessly yeah like just a few technical things say like at scrum time I had a couple of little things that I could could adjust and uh, you know that's a transition that I can make onto the pitch now for for Connor and I'm looking forward to 
to get him back out there this weekend. Um, it's been a long time since I've played at home for Connor, and I can't wait to get back out there, pull on the green jersey of Connor, and be back out there with the boys. Probably not struggling a bit, but they're a French side. They they tend to the forwards like to give it a good old battle. So you're expecting that on Saturday? Yeah, I was just saying to the boys there. Um, I know they're sitting at the bottom of the top 14, but if you look at the table, like they've, I think it's five or six uh, losing bonus points they've got. So look, they're they're coming close to teams. So it's just probably a bit of bit of luck, and they might be winning those games. So um, we're definitely under no illusions this week. It's going to be a tough game physically. They have some. Big, big forwards. Uh, if you watch some of their scrums, they're, they're going to come harder in that area. So I think it's a massive area um, for them. So it's going to have to be a massive area for us this week. Um, so look, but look, we'll prepare accordingly this week. Um, and yeah, like I said, I can't wait to get back out there in front of a loud sports ground crowd. The results in South Africa, uh, they must have permeated through to here and, and how well the team did. Has that given everybody a lift? Yeah, like I was obviously keeping a close eye on because obviously after the Ospreys game um, I was involved in camp and kept a real close eye on the, the Dragons game at home and then they had a break and then they had two games in South Africa and you know, I think it was uh, 14 out of 15 possible points that they got in those last three games and um, that's a massive massive result for us we're sitting third on the table now which is which is awesome so and then we're coming into interpro season and um, look it's a, it's a it's a great time and um I know I, I was super proud of the, the boys' effort the last two weeks and in the heat and the altitude and um, look, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. They complaining about the cold this morning, are they? It is a bit of a change yeah. down to two degrees. A few of them with their tans are complaining about the cold, yeah, it's outrageous. Um, I, was just like, I was at home all last week on my week off and couldn't go outside because it was orange weather, Storm Diana or something it was, so um, yeah, but no, it's all good. Um, good to have them back. Danny, are Connacht going to win at the weekend? And if so, by how much? Uh, I think Connacht will win, you know, uh, home ground, I would say probably by about 10. Okay, for everybody playing Super Brew now, you know what you need to do for Connacht to win the game at the weekend. And that's just a, a, a prediction competition where you can join up, you can join the Connacht clan, you can join various different groups. And if you want to beat your son, you find out what he's going to do and make sure you, you put your own score in better than his. William, your thoughts? Uh, Connacht by 25 Wow, okay We'll have to wait and see Of course it's going to be live on Galway Bay FM We didn't manage to get down to South Africa um, Due to distances and whatever But we're back live at the weekend uh, Joe Healy will be joined, joining Rob Murphy um, 3 o'clock kickoff. So live on FM from 3 o'clock And then the final thing over the weekend After the match The Connacht clan are having a, a big event Down in Murty's um, so after the match, if you want to go head down and enjoy a bit of crack and a lot more rugby talk, you can go to Murty's, who are one of the Connacht Clan main sponsors. And of course, the Connacht Clan sponsor us. So we're giving as much help as we can. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we'll be recording our podcast down there and uh, we'll be looking to talk to people who um, were in South Africa and maybe are going to Perpignan the following week like we are ourselves. So, uh, yeah, come down and join us. It's it's kicking off at about six o'clock. And uh, once we've done our media work after the match at the sports ground, we'll be, we'll be going down. Great stuff. Thanks, Danny. You're welcome. Thanks, William. Good evening, Alan. 